Welcome to another episode of the Live to Accomplish podcast by Nathan Shooter. For more inspiring content, blogs, and videos, visit nathanshooter.com. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Live to Accomplish podcast. And today I have the absolute privilege of introducing you all to Kerry Phipps, who's not only a great friend, but also an author and a speaker and an all-around awesome thinker. So welcome, Kerry. Thank you, Nathan. It's a privilege to be here. <laughs> Good to have you here. And um, in previous um, episodes, we've talked about, like in episode one, how getting a business or an idea off the ground and started is a bit of a thing. It's a bit of effort. And um, that one is really good for kickstarting you with some good questions, which you can check out online. And then also episode two looked at once you've started, how do we keep going? It's the continuation of your idea, which really counts. And so that brings us to today, which is episode three. And it's the whole thing of connecting. So we need to choose to connect, don't we? Yes. And so you are the connection master and um, you've got a book out called Do Talk to Strangers and um, you've been on the speaking circuit and traveling a lot uh, overseas and throughout Australia as well. And your whole message um, from what I can see is all about really, truly and authentically connecting with others. And um, we know that's a really difficult thing to do for some of us. And so today, do you think you can help us with that, Carrie? I'd love to. I think especially as we converse, we unpack insights together. And that's one of the joys of talking to strangers and not just talking to strangers as the book infers, but talking to anyone and having an authentic conversation, like being yourself, then there's less in the way of insights. And so you can have great ideas and be inspired by the people that you connect with. And so, yeah, I love that you mentioned authenticity because that's what it, that's really what it, what's got to be at the foundation of our connecting. Yes, we connect and we go to networking functions and we talk to people, but that doesn't mean we're actually connecting, not having that kind of profound connection that can birth all kinds of possibilities. So um, just on that, what inspired you to write this book, Do Talk to Strangers? I mean, haven't we all been told since um, year dot that, you know, you should not talk to strangers after school, little son. So what inspired you to, to write this book on such a contrary message? Well... I love that. I am a little bit of a rebel, but I didn't grow up being told, don't talk to strangers. I don't remember that message. But my parents modelled how to connect with strangers. Uh, Dad would meet somebody on the highway and invite them home for a cup of tea. And then they might stay at the farm for like a couple of weeks and help out and learn stuff. And then they'd invite us to go and visit their place. And whether that's, you know, in New Zealand or Belgium. But I saw through my childhood that connecting with strangers and being welcoming opened all kinds of doors. But I also understood the importance of connecting because I was Mm. quite isolated. You know, being a farm girl, well, now I see the perks of that. As a kid, I felt like I was the one out of town. I was out of everything. I was out of social life. And most of my school years, primary and high school, there was a lot of bullying. So I really knew what it was like to be isolated. And that's made me tune in to people that are sort of on the outside. Mm. So going into business over 12 years ago, I would go to business networking functions because it's like, I guess that's what you do. (laughs) (laughs) How am I going to build this business if I don't go and talk to people? And I would see, I mean, I knew my own nerves about going into a place like that. But I also saw people hanging around the corners of the room or near the 
near the buffet. Kind of struggling. Yeah, really struggling and just kind of getting another cup of tea just because they were too scared to go and talk to somebody. So I realised from personal experience and empathy for others that inclusion really matters and making a connection is not necessarily easy. But because of my coach training, I realised the kind of questions we can ask people, and we can get into that in a little while, that make people at ease and help them connect and be themselves. Because when you're being yourself, that's when you have the best connections. Absolutely. And I think somehow we've developed this mindset that we have to put on this persona to be able to be, um, I guess, validated and worthy of someone else talking to us at a networking or business event. And I know that in my experience, just even talking to people at business um, or commerce events, um, I often go straight for topics like family or kids and people are just like, oh, what? Aren't we going to get through the facade first? Of like, <laughs> How's business? Or, you know, like um, all those kind of weather type topics. Yeah. Um, so on this whole idea of starting a business or an idea and keeping it going, one of the things that I mentioned in um, blog number two is that it can be a real struggle to connect with people. And um, I think it was John Maxwell who said, many communicate, but very few connect. Yes. And um, that's the sweet spot, I guess, where your book sits and your message sits. And so more than ever, we've got hundreds, literally hundreds of different ways of connecting online with social media, um, not forgetting standard email and calls. But we find that we've got all these channels, yet we don't seem to be using them effectively. And so in person, we still kind of end up being stuck. Yeah. So people say it's lonely being in leadership, which I don't think is right. Um, but there's another episode <laughs> there coming is. up on that. Slight rant, slight teach. But um, I think um, for now, like, how could you help someone who is listening to this and just thinking, yep, I really do want to connect, you know, I really want to keep going and be encouraged by others. Yet I have a hesitation in bridging that gap and actually walking across the room or going and connecting with someone. So what do we do, Kerry? Do we just re retreat or have you got some <laughs> tactics for us? <laughs> I do. And I think the first thing I have to say is if you're thinking that, if you're relating to, like if listeners are relating to what you've just said, it's so important to remember you are not the only one. Mm. Because I have, I've been coaching leaders for so many years and people, you know, with their creative ideas and all kinds of stuff that's vulnerable to share with somebody. And they say things like, but I feel, you know, like the least adequate or the least professional when I walk into this room. Or, you know, I feel like everyone else is connecting really well and they all know each other. But I know from having spoken to so many people, you're not alone in that. Mm. Everybody thinks things like that. So I think that's how I created the asking model. And you asked, you know, how did I come up with the book? There, there was the, the childhood influences, but also there was just all of the stories where I was connecting with people. And then, you know, telling my colleagues, oh, I met this amazing person on the train and this happened and that all these great outcomes. And they're like, but how are you doing this? So it was really all of those questions and, and people saying, you can't just, you know, once I started thinking, okay, I'm going to write a book about talking to strangers. It was just going to inspire you to do that. But people said, but how to? So that's how I created the asking model to really put it into a teachable framework. Something simple. It is. And, uh, you know, so we've got the acronym ASKING, which I love that apart from the fact that all of these letters, you know, have a valuable word attached, it's the whole premise of being curious and asking permission. So talking to strangers is not about going and talking at someone. 
Absolutely. That's a very common uh, mistake, which um, you and I and we all sometimes make, isn't it? Yeah, especially if we're enthusiastic about our ideas. You know, I've seen people rock up at, uh, you know, whether it's an art gallery opening or a business networking function, we, we want to tell people what we're working on because it's exciting. <laughs> but we can, especially if somebody says, so what do you do? And it's like, oh, I've been waiting for someone to, to ask that, you know, and just like, rah, 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 unleashed. You know, <laughs> unleashed. Uh, so permission and curiosity is so important. So really, um, curiosity, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more with the, the A for awareness in the asking model. But permission is really, it's not saying, Nathan, can I ask you a question about your business? You know, it's a sense of permission. It's like mm. if you're sitting on the bus and I, I get on the bus and it's crowded, where am I going to sit? I'm going to look for a friendly face. And I mightn't say, can I please sit here? But even with a glance, you see that there's kind of a permission given. Oh, yes, I can sit here. And realising the permission that you have in a conversation and maybe asking a question like, can I ask you a bit more about that? You know, it's, it's totally okay to say, can I ask more? Because if you just throw a question at somebody, they can feel interrogated. Yeah, so I think that whole base of permission, and I go into it a lot more in the book, but um, it's just an important thing to note, you know, and to keep curious because let's look at the, ask, at the A in the asking model, which is about awareness, to be aware of your own thinking and how others might be feeling. And we can't assume that. You mean it's not all about us when you walk into a room? <laughs> it's not all about us. But it's important to be aware of our own thinking because we might be aware that we're nervous. But another really important thing to be aware of is what assumptions am I making? Mm. Because we make assumptions all the time. I mean, how often have you thought, I bet they're thinking, whatever it is we think they're thinking. We make assumptions about other cars in traffic or the, the drivers of the cars and we think, I bet they think they're in a bigger hurry than me. Or I bet they think, and it's like, really? How on earth would we know what they're thinking? Yeah, we impute um, motive on people mm-hmm. um, in every situation, like traffic um, or in a networking setting. We can be making assumptions and creating stories in our mind which really aren't even going on. Yeah, yeah so I think one of the earliest things that I learned when I started coaching was that no two brains are remotely alike. How can I assume to know what you're thinking? And so many times you hear people saying, oh, she thinks she's good. Or, you know, he thinks he's just got it all sorted. And it's mm. like, did they actually say that? <laughs> yeah. Or did I um, just presume and impute motive on their behavior? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So so with the, with the awareness of self and the assumptions that we make ourselves, but also being aware of others that they might need a friendly face. They might, yeah. uh, they might be feeling a bit nervous mm. to not assume that, you know, it's all me and I'm the one that's left out or nervous mm. or whatever, but maybe somebody else is feeling like that. So what if I turn my attention to them and think, how can I make other people feel welcome? How can I um, serve here? And I think to be willing to serve people rather than going in going, I have to find clients or I have to find somebody to, to listen to my exciting ideas. Mm. How can I support somebody else? How can I listen to them? How can I, you know, ask some questions maybe like, uh, you know, who are you hoping to meet tonight? Or, you know, what inspired you to come? then help them to connect, help them to make the most of the night because it's amazing what comes back to you. But when we're attached to our own outcome, and so again, your awareness of your own drivers, you know, can you park those for a moment? Can you park your own agenda just to be present and serve somebody else? So 
I mean, I can spend a whole day just on the awareness part of, <laughs> of the asking model. <laughs> so do you have any questions on that or will I move through to the next? No, I think that's pretty clear. And I think um, that's the whole thing of like my dad always used to say to us, like if you're insecure when you walk into a room, that's actually being selfish because you think that everything is there in relation to you. Yeah. Whereas you are actually walking in and should be looking for a way to encourage others. So I think that says it, um, yeah, like how you've explained it. So tell me about number number two here. It's got, uh, I'm just looking at your asking model list. Um, it's got start small. So what does that mean? We shouldn't just go straight to the president or? <laughs> it means, well, it's start small, start with a smile and scare yourself a little bit. So and while people are just going, what do you mean scare yourself a little bit? Uh, we'll address that first. So just taking a small step out of the comfort zone. You know, like if water skiing would be a big deal for you, then don't go bungee jump just yet. You know, do the thing that would scare you a bit. You know, if you, if you want to learn to ride a bike or something, do that. Don't go do the huge adrenaline junkie sports kind of thing. So, yeah, just, just start small with something. And, and starting with a smile because that... It's so simple and we we can kind of just brush over it. But really, when you think about the power of a smile, it changes everything. You know, you walk down the street and you see someone just walking along frowning and you might be like wanting to say hi, but then you think, ah, uh, mm, I don't know. And that's when you said earlier, it's like you don't have permission to give yeah. them a smile and to interact because that wall's up and those yeah. flashing lights are saying back off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But... Again, assumptions. We could be thinking they don't like me or they're really angry or whatever. And they could just be really thinking, what am I going to cook for dinner tonight? We've got people coming over, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which for me requires massive amounts of thought. So, yeah, yeah that, that's um, I'm the guy who has to go shopping late at night because I could be reported as a lost child in the <laughs> shopping centre. <laughs> so just, yeah, the look in your face doesn't always represent what's going on behind those eyes. Right. So, note, if you see Nathan in the shops late at night and he's looking serious, he's not. <laughs> He's just thinking, what am I going to buy here? You know, not, yeah. not Why like is there more than one brand of every product? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, there's a book about that, actually. Yeah. Uh, not mine. So just thinking about a smile, think, what happens when you give that? You, you can't help but get one back, mm. unless somebody's, like, really deep in thought or really angry. But most of the time you can, you can shift someone's energy and your own just by smiling. And then it also gives you a sense of, is there permission to to take that further? You know, or maybe, is it the timing? Because maybe you're just rushing past. But just to smile and say, you know, how are you? And mean it. Or if you don't mean it, then say something else that you do mean. <laughs> you know, like, it's good to see you. Like, just acknowledging somebody makes a world of difference and they remember you for that. And so, yeah, whatever the scenario, as a smile doesn't hurt whether it's an empathetic smile and you might be seeing somebody in a hospital waiting room, but just it builds a connection and you go, someone noticed me. You know, our, our brains are on alert all the time looking for threats, looking for, you know, in the social world. We're looking for evidence that people don't like us or people are excluding us or whatever. So when we smile, we can see, ah, oh, it actually is better than, you know, better than my brain was telling me. Yeah, and I think um, this is something that, um, we all kind of struggle with, like um, particularly if you've got um, health challenges, um, you can sometimes forget that um, people maybe don't know that. Yeah. And so it's best always to just give and be more generous with your face yeah. than maybe you're in the mood to. It's yeah. it's always really important to 
um, like for myself, always smile, even though what's going in my in my world may not be worthy of a smile. It's just like you know what, just do it anyway. Yeah. So, if, are there times where we? need to use a particular smile like should we practice different kinds of smiles for different environments because let's not maybe rock up to a hospital with this awesome (laughs) gleeful smile so how do we practice the right smile for the right place wow no one's ever asked that question before i love it when i love when i ask a question that nobody's (laughs) ever asked that person Um, but now you've put me on the spot because i don't know if it's a thing of practicing but i think Again, it comes back to awareness, being aware of the moment. Because I know what it's like when you you might bounce into a situation and just kind of like, hi, and then you go, ah, everyone's looking really somber. What's going on? You know, so I guess being aware of the environment that you're walking into and yeah, just being a bit sensitive to that, but bringing a little more energy than what's there. So even if it is like a serious situation, you know, just a reassuring smile. And I don't know if it's something that you can practice because if I'm not feeling reassuring, if I'm feeling like, you know, I want to take control or uh, I want everyone to feel sorry for me, then to to practice a reassuring smile is not going to be real. People will sense that, you know. So I guess it's choosing to be present with people and choosing to focus on serving them. Then the appropriate smile is just going to come naturally. Yeah, so you don't think we should maybe just do some mirror time? You could do that if... Um, yeah, you could definitely do that because I think a lot of people are really confronted by looking in the mirror. So be okay with what you see in the mirror and start <laughs> to appreciate what's in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, but we're, we're not going to really see the value of our own smile in the mirror, uh, but definitely smile at yourself rather than frown because then you'll see, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I look all right. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone like looks better with a smile. Absolutely. Yet sometimes we have this insecurity about teeth or about our lips or whatever. Yeah. But honestly... Uh, overwhelmingly, it's about how the whole face exudes that joy, yep. not just the smaller parts which um, make up the sum. Yeah, so, you just reminded me, sorry, sometimes people will say, you know, the smile didn't reach their eyes. You notice that, you know. Mm. So, again, it's that genuine smile. Yeah. So, yeah, practice smiling. Yeah, okay. So then what about um, K in the asking model, keep going? Yeah, which was in your blog recently, wasn't it? I think with with any worthy cause, we've got to keep going. You know, so sometimes people have said to me, ah, oh, I talked to a stranger once or I helped a stranger once and, you know, they just re- rejected me. Well, they didn't want my help or they ignored me. So I'm not talking to strangers. And it's like, wow, you are missing out on a whole world of happiness and possibility. So keep going if it doesn't go well. If you have a conversation where you go, oh, that was awkward. (laughs) Then don't let that be the the moment that you give up. I mean, maybe you might not continue the conversation with that person because Mm. maybe they might turn their back on you and you just go, okay, that didn't go so well. Um, Don't swear to never speak to that person again, but maybe the time's not right. Go find, you know, a friendlier face. (laughs) Okay, so here's here's a... Not a mean or an awkward question, but a real question. So if oh, we're okay. if we're talking to a, a stranger, and you just you just know that you just need to finish up that conversation mm-hmm. and move oneth, how, <laughs> how can we how can we graciously go? Okay, I just made a mental decision to talk to this stranger. It's not working out. How do I make a um, a swift exit graciously? So how can we do that? Yeah, and and graciously is is beautiful because and actually. I've got part part of 
the book says, how do I get rid of people in a respectful way? Because sometimes you just go, I don't want to be in this conversation anymore. So there might be so many different scenarios, but I guess that desire to be respectful and not hurt somebody is, is you know, foremost because the situation is going to be different. You know, I might say, um, you know, I really need a drink of water. Would you like one? So by the time I go and get you a drink of water... Oh, maybe you said that now for next time I see you. <laughs> so... You know, I might go and get a drink of water by the time I'm giving you one. It's kind of like the conversation has ceased or paused and you're open for another conversation with somebody else or whatever, you know. Um, to One reason that people don't talk on planes and trains is because they're worried that they'll get stuck in the conversations. Like, well, I've got, I've got time to say hi for a couple of minutes, but I really don't want to be talking for the next hour or five hours. So to be able to say, thank you so much for speaking with me. I just need to take some time to do some work or to close my eyes. I just need to chill out for a while. But to acknowledge that person first, then they can let go of you. But if they feel like you're trying to pull out of the conversation, then they might start grasping for, you know, like, how can we stay in this conversation? Like if they're wanting to. Yeah. And if you pull out too quickly, it can almost undo all of the value of the conversation you just, just had. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You could just offend them or, you know, and then you, you feel cheesed off yourself. And yeah, but I think just to, to honour somebody by saying, thank you so much for chatting or thank you so much for your time or um, thank you for noticing me if they were the ones that started the conversation. Acknowledge them. Then we can say, I need to go and do something or I need to give my attention to something else. But then it's like a friendly break in the, congreg- in the conversation. Yeah, I think it's good because it's good, um, as you say here, to keep going. But then it's also the wisdom to know when not to keep going. Yeah. And um, <laughs> um, in a future podcast episode, um, there's going to be a episode on finishing well. So nice. it's about um, yeah. um, not just retreating, but things have a natural life. Um, so if it's something that you need to keep going on, then keep going. Yeah. But if it's something that you need to let die for the right reasons, yeah. then let the thing die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Including conversations. Yeah, and... I'm going to elaborate a bit more and keep going because it's keep going with quality questions. But also you've just highlighted something for me. We might um, bring the conversation to an end because you might think, you know what, this this person I'm talking to, they're not the client that I thought they might have been or they're not, maybe they're not the great connection that I thought. But when you finish well and respectfully, you have no idea who they're connected to and they might refer your biggest client. They might connect you with the most amazing person because they go... I had a conversation with this person and, you know, it's not my cup of tea, but I think you'd like to talk to them. Mm. You know, extraordinary. But people shut off all of those possibilities so often. So just in terms of keep going with quality questions, I address this because people say, but, yeah, I can smile and say hello, but what then? So because they're thinking ahead, I don't know how the conversation's going to go, so I'm just not going to start one. It's like, wow, you're missing out. <laughs> so quality questions really are questions that make the conversation easy to flow and their conversation their questions or conversations that have the person in a positive state so just to give a couple of extreme examples if i say um gosh what do you think about you know the political scenario at the moment i knew you were going to say uh, that <laughs> yeah and so there's a frown on your face already because it's like yeah so in the book we've just got a frowny face we've got a neutral face and then we've got a smiley face so it's like which way is the conversation going to go? So we know that that's probably not going to end well, so let's just not even ask that of someone mm. we've just met. 
you know, or someone we want to have a positive conversation with. If it's a solution-focused conversation. Or a quick conversation because you don't have time to fully um, – get immersed in why they hold those views and why you hold your views. Yeah, that's right. So I guess be realistic of the estimate of how much time you've got with them. Yeah, yeah. And so just in a nutshell, if the purpose of your conversation is that smiley face, you know, that we're going to have a positive conversation, then the, a positive question might be, you know, what are you looking forward to this week? And so how can you not be looking forward to something that you're looking forward to? You know, it's, it's going to be a positive answer. I mean, they might say, oh, I don't know. But then, you, like you said before about talking about family, you know, you just ask somebody about their kids, there's a smile on their face. Mm. You know, they're like, oh, that was so cute this week, you know, or um, they're questions that, that unlock insight and that just unlock smiles. So that, I guess, naturally leads on to the I in asking is interest in others. So you've got here, and people can find this in the book as well, you make a choice to tune in and really listen. So this is about being present yes. and listening rather than just hearing. Yes. So, I mean, you could pretty much wrap all of your points up in being interested in other people, yeah. but... You're being specific here. And um, the, the two biggest um, conversation bits of advice that I was given by a friend um, were to ask these things, A, how does that make you feel? And B, tell me more about that. Yeah. Um, so with interest in others, um, how do we tune in? Well, I think this is why the awareness part is really important at the beginning. Like awareness that it's not all about me and awareness that maybe – my nerves are getting in the way, so I can't be present with somebody unless I let that go. And and to really learn to do that helps you to be present with others. And I think it's, sometimes it's just choosing to wear curious lenses or to you know put on a curious hat and go, how could I see this differently? Rather than going, well, you know what, I'm not interested in them. <laughs> what if you... And is that a right to just not be interested in people? Um, I feel like that's kind of... A, a wrong thing for you to say, but is it all right? It, it's a human thing, isn't it? You, you might be wrapped up in stuff, you know, you might be really preoccupied with stuff that you've got to resolve and you might be thinking, who here can give me an answer? You know, I need, I need, I need. And it's like, that's okay that you need that. But if you're practicing this, how can I choose to just put that aside and be interested in others? Then I might actually be literally choosing to think differently, not just going, hmm, I'm really interested in that person over there, but going, what if I really tune in? And sometimes I've just taken a moment to go, what could I ask? Or how, how could I express interest? And maybe it's like, wow, that's a really interesting suitcase you've got. Like, where did you get that? And then I go, oh, you know, I got it when I was in Paris. And you're like, cool, what did, I haven't been to Paris. What did you like most about it? And as you start asking questions, they will start sharing things. Then you can sort of hone in on what you're most interested in in that. But we're not always asking out of our own interest, but it's choosing to be interested in them because that just places value on them. It's like, wow, that's a really cool shirt. You've got a story about that. Actually, this is my current favourite shirt. (laughs) So I guess interest in others um, can really be... Um, expressing this idea of asking specific questions because I guess people then will go, oh, wow, they've paid attention and looked at whatever I'm presenting and then zoned in on something and cared enough to ask about a specific thing. Yeah, yeah, and and because you might realise they're starting to waffle and just tell you a whole lot of stuff that you kind of really don't need to know. But you might just say, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Europe. 
what did you like most about that? Mm. So that you, you can learn something or that you might contribute something. But it's important to let go of all the conversation in your head, like all of the questions that you want to ask and just be present and hear what they're saying. And so to practice this, I would recommend talking to little kids because, you know, whether it's your niece or nephew or, you know, just somewhere in a community environment, you know, just express interest in kids and just go like, wow, I love your curly hair, you know, or um, that's a really cool toy. Like, how does that work? And then they were just like rabbit on for ages and you'll notice your brain going, okay, where's the adult? Someone, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But tune in and notice what happens to them when they notice that they're being listened to. And, And it really, you know how a lot of kids can go, look at me, look at me, look at me. And you're like, yeah, okay, I see you. When we do that, then they actually relax and they don't pester us as much, you know, to use a harsh word. I guess because they feel comprehended. And the thing that I like about that is, like you mentioned about um, them being a bit more at ease. Uh, When I talk to kids, I like to come down to eye level. um, And then, I mean, kids at church know that I'm always going to ask them, what was the weirdest thing that happened at school this week? Or what was the um, the highlight or the best thing you learned at school this yep. week? Because it's not just, oh, how was school? They're great quality questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, then the N, um, I'm curious about this one, natural confidence. So you've got here, be yourself and discuss positive things. So the second half of that we've already talked about, Yeah. talking about yeah. positive things. So yeah. the be yourself and the confidence thing, let's nail that. So yeah. um, let's just face it. Confidence can be an ugly word. There's some people who are walking around, um, hopefully none of my listeners would be um, victims of this, but people who are just probably overconfident or there's a, have a high estimation of themselves. And that's, to be clear, not what we're talking about. Is that right? No, exactly. And why I call it natural confidence is because it's like that's you being your best self. So when I wrote this, somebody said, oh, but I'm not naturally confident. And I said, but you are. And I was so glad I had evidence for this because I said, I saw you the other day talking to so-and-so who is not known for his social skills. And he said, oh, yeah, but that's because we were talking about this that we're both interested in and we're both interested in this other thing. And and I said, yeah, you were talking about stuff that you knew about. Now, if you ask me to discuss you know, the global financial situation and how this country relates to this country, whatever... I've got no confidence to talk about that. Okay, that was my next question. This is awkward. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's not going to have me in a confident state to just go, oh, let me share what I've been thinking about. But if you ask me about the stuff that I've been thinking about, if you ask me um, where I'm going next week or, you know, I can tell you all of this stuff that's in my world because I know it. So that's where you are your most naturally confident is talking about stuff that you know so don't try to talk about stuff that you don't know mm. don't don't try to you know be across all the news and and sound really knowledgeable because you hear people doing that and they're just kind of hoping that nobody will see that they don't actually know as much as it as it appears and sometimes those really you know brash confident people they might actually just that might be a front for something that they're thinking i hope nobody notices that i don't know this you know, so I'll talk about all the stuff that I know. <laughs> so yeah. it comes back to being yourself and being your best self. Okay, so you talk about two things there. So it's the your most natural version of yourself, yep. which 
once you know it, then you can use it and be confident with it. And then there's the other idea of being a general generalist where you're all things to all men. Mm-hmm. And those are two different um, paradigms. So mm-hmm. I like how you said the natural version of yourself. Yeah. Um, sometimes people do actually need to just take it up a notch. And I know people who I've spoken to um, and I've just said, you know, like um, somebody once came to me and, and just said, oh, you know, people have a problem understanding me. People, people don't seem to... Um, to get me, like yeah. in inverted commas. And I said, well, if I'm allowed to be honest, like let's talk about um, just small things like vocal tone and your smile. You know, people, you're, not, you're not giving the visual cues yeah. or the audible, audible cues. Um, and then that actually came back down to an issue of confidence. And I think that um, just being yourself, which is something that, you know, is rampant across books, podcasts, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's really – it's a bit of a cop-out. Yeah. I think um, – that we should be aiming to be ourselves. And you think it's all right then just to bring that up or not? Absolutely. And what it comes down to is being useful. Like, so is this useful for me to share? Not uh, being myself like, you know, here's my pyjama self and I'm kind of switched off and I really don't care what you think. It's can I share something that is useful? So it's, yeah, I guess bringing my best self, not in a pretense kind of way, but, you know, something I learned years ago when I first started doing coaching was, we can get in the interesting path, you know, which might be a, you know, red wine conversation. We, we can talk interesting stuff all day. But is this useful? And so to think about our contributions to a conversation, is it useful? Because if it's not, the other person's going to tune out and they're going to think, well, they're not interested in me after all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you go to events and people honestly don't ask you a single question about yourself. Mm. And I think um, that sometimes comes out of a confidence issue because, they're just talking about what they know and that's themselves. Yeah. 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 So then to wrap this um, asking model up altogether, you you put a bow on it with gratitude. And so you you ask us to look for ways to acknowledge others. And um, I this is my just an aside rant. When I go into a retail store and I'm not acknowledged within like, I don't know what the rule is, 30 seconds or 60 seconds, it just really ticks me off because I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I come with the possibility of buying something from you and um, there's no uh, acknowledgement that I'm here. Yep. There's no gratitude of you just being present yep. as an opportunity. So when you talk about gratitude and looking for ways to acknowledge others, how does gratitude and acknowledging others connect? Why are they put together? Well, I think in the way that we acknowledge people, it it can be separate, but it can be very much together as well. I think gratitude is a powerful connector. And one way that we can express gratitude, it's not just saying thank you, you know, thanks for doing the, the deal, thanks for doing the transaction, but expressing what it is that we're thankful for, being specific with our gratitude. So... Nathan, thank you for inviting me in here today because I really appreciate that you've noticed I've got something of value to offer. Uh, that's like a specific thank you. If I just say thanks, mate, you're like, what exactly is she thankful for? And so you don't even hear my thank you because it doesn't matter. You know, it was just a it was just a word. Just a platitude. That's right. That's right. So so making your gratitude specific really acknowledges the other person and the effort that they've put in which is so much more important than saying, you know, thank you for doing this, you're so clever. It's thank you for for doing this, your opinion matters or your contribution matters. Or, um, you know, my husband will say, thank you 
to the checkout chick, you know, who's putting the groceries in a bag, you know, thanks for putting the lettuce on top of the canned goods, <laughs> not the <laughs> other way around, you know. So noticing what people do well and acknowledging them. And I remember this moment when um, our son was quite young and he wanted like a frozen yogurt or ice cream or something. We went to this little shop in a mall somewhere on the coast and the girl that greeted us was a, a young teenager and she was so enthusiastic about her product. And she's like, do you want a sample? And so she gave us both samples and she shared what she liked. And anyway, so we bought the ice cream, you know, for him and went and sat down. You know, and we'd said thank you and, you know, it was just a great interaction. But I was sitting there thinking, does she realise what she's doing well? And I unpacked about four different points. And I went back there and I asked if the manager was there and she looked a bit scared. Yeah, you probably thought she was going to get fired. (laughs) And I said, I just would like them to know, but I would like you to know as well, that what you did so well and what we appreciated was, you know, you really prompt attention, your enthusiasm about your product and you know all of those little elements that that put that together so beautifully for us because if we pay attention whatever we pay attention to it grows you know so if we're paying attention to what's working well and what people are doing well then they rise not rise to that but sort of beyond that and they do that more and more yeah they they match the mood yeah yeah and it's like and it's and again it acknowledges it says your contribution matters mm. the way you the way you show up in the world it's it's great and this is, this is how we actually, you know, create a more connected, more compassionate, empathetic world is when we acknowledge the best in people. So while it's just a great connector, you know, you get off the bus and you say, thanks so much, you know, lifts their day, yours as well, because you've just given a gift and you get that reward from doing that. Yeah. So the gratitude and acknowledgement aspects are Two in one, interchangeable in that yeah, sense. Yeah. And I think people who um, master it, they know they've got people. Like years ago, we were at a Coldplay conference. Yeah. Uh, Coldplay conference. <laughs> um, that would be amazing. A Coldplay concert. And it was at this massive arena in Sydney. And during the course of the evening, um, Chris Martin, who is absolutely giving us an amazing show, says, I see you down the back. Wow. Um, Thank you for making time to come through traffic. Thank you for spending time parking. I see you on the left there. And I was just like, man, this guy knows how to connect. And when you go to some other concerts, it's as if the artist takes you for granted. Oh, there's a a ticket um, purchased there. There's another ticket purchased there. And they see you as maybe a transactional item. Mm -hmm. And so when he said that, he doesn't have to. I mean, we all want to be there for him or for the band. Yet he's saying, I see you over there in that corner. And, um, you know, on one of the recordings that I've got on a DVD says, um, you guys down the back, if you sing, I'll buy you an ice cream. (laughs) And he's a liar. He's never going to buy them an ice cream. (laughs) I was just going to ask you about his sincerity. But do you feel that he's actually grateful for people coming? Yeah. And I think if you watch any of the social media touch points, you'll see that as a consistent theme. Okay, so that would tell me that he is a grateful person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy. If you look at some of the interviews as well, um, he'll kind of make reference to him not having the full comprehension of that it's real and that people actually want to line up and, and spend time hours in cars getting to his concerts, you know, and that shows you the level of humility, but also the sense of, um, I guess, gratitude um, and acknowledging of others. So give us an example of this asking model gone wrong in um, some business leaders or some political leaders in our in our current day. When have you seen an absolutely tank and <laughs> fail? 
<laughs> I can really only share my own experience because I'm trying to focus on what works well. Yeah. And so I'm not watching the news. Like I, I just think, and I was thinking about this this morning, there is so much criticism. I don't think that our leaders can really get on with doing their job because nobody's focused on their strengths. Nobody's going, this is what they can bring to the country. They're just being criticised for everything they've ever done or said wrong. So let's not even go there. But I think one of the uh, one of my learning moments was meeting Prime Minister John Howard in early 2000. And it went horribly wrong for me because I didn't have this framework. I hadn't thought this through. You hadn't read your own book? I, no, it was not written at that time. So I was not aware of... I was not... One, one thing, and I can actually remember uh, someone from your family was in the room and in a conversation that made me go, you know what, I'm going to go and talk to him. But I just kind of raced in without thinking about it and I wasn't being myself. I was... And I wasn't coming from a place of natural confidence. I was coming from trying to look professional, educated. So it just was messy. And uh, and then the newspaper's like, what did you ask him? What did he say? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so it was a bit of a failure. So tell us this juicy story, Kerry. How did it go wrong? Uh, well, I, I tried to sound educated. And I tried to... I was quoting somebody else about, you know, young people these days. And... And so because I was sort of coming from a place of facade, I think he was too, which he would, I mean, there'd be so much of that because, you know, they're just in that kind of environment where they've got to be very careful about what they say. And you know what the thing is? I could have just been a human. (laughs) I could have actually said, my parents couldn't be here today, but they loved meeting you in France recently. Like, he got in the back of their ute because his entourage left him behind. You know, it was in the newspapers and stuff, which I didn't realise until later. But I could have reminded him of that moment in France at the War Memorial and he would have gone, wow, that was great. What a, you know, what, well, a, what a small world, What an interesting you know? day or, yeah. It would have been so different and refreshing in his days of back-to-back meetings with people who were just pushing agendas at him. And so I was just coming at him with an agenda for young people, just like everybody else was coming at him with an agenda. Mm. So, yeah, that's in the book, and there's actually a photo of the uh, newspaper photo of me and John Howard crossing the road. So there's some evidence of Kerry gone wrong. Yeah, but if anyone saw that photo, they'd be like, oh, there's Kerry with the Prime Minister crossing the road. They just look so comfortable together. (laughs) Yeah, which again goes back to assumptions. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah, so. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Um, It's kind of, I mean, I love hearing about people's failures as well as wins because there's a tiny skerrick of us in everyone because most of us like the rest of us. Yeah. And sometimes it's harder to remember on some days rather than others. And so what would you leave people with um, in terms of a challenge. So in the next seven days, what can listeners do and take action on that's going to challenge themselves? So I know already we're going to have these up on the blog at nathanshooter.com forward slash blog. And the framework here of the asking model is going to be all there. So once they read it, What's the challenge, Kerry? Yeah, they'll be able to download the first few chapters of the book. So it goes through the whole asking model so you can get that. So I would say let's go back to starting small because it's going to be different for for everybody. So maybe starting small for you is, you know, just going for a walk around the neighbourhood and smiling and waving at people and saying, what a beautiful garden, or acknowledging their effort. Like, you must put so many hours into this garden, it's gorgeous. But to acknowledge somebody like that would be... um, 
you know, that might be a big step and it might be a big realisation that people love talking about this space or it actually wasn't that hard to have a conversation. Maybe for somebody else it is going and talking to, you know, someone like um, a leader, someone who's famous, you know, like I also share in the book about when I met Richard Branson and, you know, like on your behalf and other people who were in my other book, you know, I felt like I was meeting him on their behalf. And so there was a lot that went right with that. But that was a big deal. But it probably wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been connecting in other, you know, scary moments. Smaller contexts as well. That's right. So scare yourself a little so that you can handle the bigger scares when they come along and you can go, okay, take a deep breath. I'm just going to be myself. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> go and connect. So, yeah, I just would encourage people in the next seven days and make note of it. Because you can have this great little interaction and sometimes people put it on Facebook, you know. I talked to a stranger today and this is what happened and I just felt really happy. So share it somehow, even if it's just in your own journal for your own thinking, but make note of it because these beautiful interactions happen and sometimes we forget. So it's like building evidence for yourself that you can connect and you do. Mm. So go out and connect and make note of it somewhere, personally or sharing it with other people. That's great. And what we're going to do too is um, for all the listeners of the podcast and, and readers of the blog, we're actually going to give some um, some free stuff away, which, which people love. And um, more than that, it's about arming people um, um, with some juicy content to help them do exactly what we've talked about yeah. today. So um, just go to nathanshooter.com forward slash um, blog, do talk to strangers. And right there, what are they going to find? Well, I, I could keep building this, but at the moment they'll be able to get Get the asking model in the first few chapters of the book, which was beautifully laid out by Nathan Shooter. <laughs> Thank you so much. And and another audio. So you can hear more of the, you know, what was going on behind the scenes. How did I create this book? And what was I thinking? <laughs> and what are some of the stories that created that? Okay, awesome. So there's some really great stuff there. So um, you're probably jogging or driving a car or walking the dog at the moment. So when you get a chance, uh, make sure you um, jump online and check out those resources because we really want to do everything that we can to help you do um, small things to create significant outcomes so that we can honestly live to accomplish and accomplish in more ways. So thanks again for choosing to listen and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. Find more content from Nathan on most social media channels and at nathanshooter.com.